You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Oh, well, let me say it's such an honor to be here in Salt Lake City of all places, Salt Lake City. I got excited about it when I saw that it was on my itinerary to come here. And so thank you so much for having me. You can take your seats, but thank you so much for having me. And uh, how awesome is Vince and Becca? Are they the best or are they the best? Just beautiful people. And, um, and this band too. I got introduced to, um, to Amy yesterday because I was on the judging panel for Cherish Has Got Talent. And, and this woman comes out to play the spoons. But not only that, but Kate's one of the backing dancers and Kelsey's one of the backing dancers. And I couldn't look at them because they were doing all that stuff, you know, with their hips, that it would have been wrong for me to have watched them do the dancing. It was, it was, it was private dancing, you know, just in a girls' conference. And I just happened to be there. And, and especially, especially this one, she's quite naughty. And uh, so I had to look away and uh, make sure it was not captures on video, me looking in her direction and that. But, uh, but it says something about your church. This church seems to me like a whole lot of fun. And, you know, uh, fun and faith sleep together. You know, you can't have faith without having fun because fun just believes it's in the bag. It believes that, uh, it believes that, that, uh, that, you know, before you see it, it's already yours, you know. It's in the bank. The Mercedes is already in the garage. And, and it's, we're like lottery winners. You know, that we've got the winning ticket. And uh, the money hasn't been transferred into our account yet, but we've got the winning ticket. And so faith and fun go hand in hand. And I want to say that if you're not fun enough, be fun. Be more fun. And, uh, you know, because it'll be proof you actually believe God. People that are super spiritual haven't quite got it. And I sympathize with them because you can't make it up, you know that faith's a gift from God. But when you do have it, change your nature. And when you do have it, um, put it on, put a smile on your face and have a great time. Golly gosh. And, uh, and Lilo, what a great guy Lilo is, hey? <laughs> Lilo and the, and the bass guitar. Lilo, what a kind man Lilo is. Just, he, like, we need him on the worship team, right? Because he brings a softness and... Just the loveliness, you know, and I can see, you know, lay, do you know Leyland? Is it Leyland? The, the, or Leland, you know, the Leland, his latest song is called uh, Waymaker. That's you. you. It is not. Well, how supernatural is that, you know? That is you. You're a waymaker. You know, you make a way in worship, but in life, you make a way, you know, where there is no way. People think, how did that happen? Well, it's because you're a way maker, a miracle worker, that miracles come from you opening the way. And where there was a mountain, there's no longer a mountain. And you find the valley through the mountain to get through the pass to the other side. You're an extraordinary person. You're not ordinary. You're an extraordinary person. Call for such a time as this. There's nobody like you. And call to this city to do great things for God. Let's give it up. I'm going to give him a hug. Oh, oh fabulous. And I was going to say that, that, you know, you guys are a part of C3. We joined C3 like seven or eight years ago. And it's just been an incredible decision. But, but this, is, this is what I, I have concluded, right? That I'm not just a part of C3 for what C3 can do for me. 
I'm a part of C3 for what I can do for C3. I'm a gift to C3. And there's no doubt about it that, that City Church, that now is C3 Salt Lake City, is a gift to C3 San Diego. It's a gift to C3 that, that it's not just a one-way street. Don't just think, well, we're just recipients of, of stuff that comes over, over the desert, you know, from California and comes over here and we just, we just receive. You're not just receivers, you're givers. And there's a gift of God in this place. And there's, there's a gift of faith in this place. There's a gift of mercy in this place. There's just something unusual about this place. And, and uh, so put your confidence on each one of you and, and, uh, and rise up and become legends. You know, I wake up every morning just knowing that the call of God is for me not to wait for a father figure to come and say, rise up, you legend. I'm going to rise up anyway. And I think sometimes you need to put on confidence and, and realize that you becoming a legend is your gift to the world. And that's simply you putting on confidence. And, and uh, it's easy to lose your confidence. You've got faith, the greatest weapon the world's ever seen. And if you just add confidence to it, it's amazing what God can do through one person, one church, and one God in these times. How are we going, Salt Lake City? Good. Are we all right? I've, I've, I've worn my jumper. I've worn, worn the wrong outfit. It's just because I woke up this morning. I thought, how cold? How cold is this country, you know? And, and nobody told me that it soon warms up. <laughs> so I was in the car thinking, what am I doing wearing this? Looking like I played baseball or something like that when I, sh I should be wearing a, a simple T-shirt, you know? And I thought it was all desert, but you get snow here. And some of you ski, is that right? I, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I think I want to move to Salt Lake City. I, I think it sounds like, it sounds to me like a really good place to live, you know. Oh, gosh, here I am in America. And this is just a weekend trip. And, uh, and I hate just preaching once in a place because I, 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 the last thing I want to do is just do gigs. I, I'm, I'm not actually a preacher. I'm a lifter of people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith. And, uh, and really, I could drop preaching in a second, you know, because this, the moment I meet someone, I think, gosh, they're a beautiful person. And second, I want to lift them up to a higher ground. So, you know, so if you're waiting for a great preacher, I'm not actually, you know, preaching is my second trade. My first trade is I'm a lifter. I'm an elevator. I'm a lift. And, uh, and you know, and that, that's because I, I want to be led by vision, not led by function, you know. I preached in this, um, I preached in this uh, church in Portsmouth on the south of England uh, a while back, and uh, it was a conference, and I did the first session. Then I went into uh, the, you call them the restrooms, uh, in between sessions. And in the restroom, I went into the cubicle, because um, I just get too self-conscious standing at the urine. Do you call them the urinal? Urinal, yes, okay, okay, and I just get, I just get too self-conscious. I can't go to the, I can't go to the loo, you know, and so I went into the cubicle, and two men came in, and they were in the urinal, and they started talking about me, and uh, so I, and so I fumbled with my phone, and I pressed record. I thought I'm going to have to record the conversation. And, uh, and as they were talking, you know, they said, well, Dave's funny and, and we, we uh, love his content. Then one of the guys said to the other guy, well, don't you think that he's a bit too old to be wearing skinny jeans? <laughs> the haters are going to hate, aren't they? Hey, Tay-Tay's right, isn't she? And, uh, and the other guy said, yeah, I think he is too old. 
And then the hairdryer went off and they, they went in. And I came out for the second session. And I started the second session. I just played the recording. And, and I said, who are these two men? But nobody, nobody put their, put their hands up, you know. Just how rude is that? And as you can see, it, it did not affect me. <laughs> I might be too old for them, but it's the way you feel. You want to feel. It's the way you feel. Listen, age is, is an attitude. And uh, the one great thing about being a Christian is you actually get younger and younger the older you get because he renews his spirit like the eagle. Uh, so uh, what do you know about Great Britain? Boris Johnson is, uh, is the president, the prime minister, and uh, he's got a bit of Trump in him, hasn't he? Have you noticed that? Just a little bit of Trump. I don't know if it's the hairstyle, you know, but, but they're both people that you would never expect to be leaders of countries, would you? Like you wouldn't expect Trump to be the leader, the president. You wouldn't expect Boris Johnson to be the prime minister of England. And we're in the middle of Brexit. <laughs> well, well, somewhere, somewhere on the Brexit, on the Brexit chart, we're somewhere. It's it's almost an impossible thing. It's been going on for like four years or so, and uh, and but I voted, I voted for Brexit, and but I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't really voting for Brexit. I was bro- voting for the fact that our house prices now are still less than they were back in two thousand and seven. Thank you, America, and yet your your house prices have doubled. Thank you, America, for leaving the deposit of your subprime mortgage fiasco in the north of England. Thank you very much. Someone wrote to the newspaper and said, and said uh, we, that no one knows what being British is anymore. And somebody else said being British is driving a German car to a, an Irish pub for a Belgian beer. And then driving home, picking up a, a, a Turkish kebab to sw- sit on Swedish furniture to watch, a Jap- uh, to watch on a Japanese TV an American TV show. So, we, so it was just disaster when we come out from Europe. <laughs> we're so confused. Oh, gosh, I love being here. You guys are a beautiful church. There's a touch of kindness in this church. And kindness is a really underrated gift, you know. Kindness gets you into places that, uh, that, that others... And don't, you know, often, often sometimes you can feel like you ought to be pushy and feel like you ought to be a little bit more stand your ground. But there's nothing greater than humility to get you into king's palaces. And uh, some of you, you know, you know, there is a general, sometimes you're going to be nasty, you know, if your bacon uh, or if your food arrives a bit cold, I'm going to be nasty, you know. And yet just I think within this room there's a spirit of kindness, that, that kindness is a huge gift that makes it, its way into the palaces of power brokers and kings, you know. And you want to, you want to stay kind. It's, 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 a, it's a, you know, everyone, everyone puts a lot of emphasis upon the other gifts, but the gift of kindness is extraordinary. Uh, we've got with uh, our churches like twelve locations, and uh, eight of them are in uh, England, and then four of them are overseas. We've got two in Germany, and I've got one in the Muslim uh, nation of Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur, and uh, we've got one in Ghana, in Accra, in Ghana. And uh, we've never been to those places before, but like you, we've got the gift of faith. And so I looked up on uh, Google Earth. I had a check out of Ghana because they're English speaking. 
And so I checked out and, and worked out the capital it was called Accra. So we looked at it on Google Earth. And about seven years ago, we sent out seven young adults to Accra to, to start our church, a location of our church in Accra. And, uh, and uh, on Sundays, there's now about 500 people that attend the church, you know. Yeah, that's what faith does. That's what you guys have got. That you just step out. And, uh, and some, some things fail, you know, but, but uh, you know, but failure is just, it's just the road to success. You know, God guarantees success, but you know, there's, there's various failures along the way. As long as you get up, brush yourself down and start again, then, then that's the main thing. And, and uh, so w- we're quite excited. I want to start a church in Brussels, a location in Brussels. Um, well, maybe not only more because, because we don't like Europe. And... Uh, <laughs> I'd love to start a church in Dubai. I think that'd be a great place, don't you think, to start a church? I'd love to start a church, not an underground church, but an above-ground church in Shanghai. I just think the idea of it's exciting, you know. I just I kind of look for stuff that excites me. I think I think that sometimes religion is doing everything that doesn't excite you. And uh, you know, you want God wants you to develop character. So so for a while you need to be a square peg in a round hole. But, but once you develop character, it's not all about developing character, then, then God wants you to move out and, and uh, according to your uh, excitement. You know, He wants to do great things uh, in you. I'm going, to talk, I'm going to talk about stuff that really annoys me about the ministry. And uh, I, I'm going to pick, I, it depends on how time goes, I'm going to pick maybe, maybe three or four uh, or even five things. That I could go on and on, you know, especially when you, when you ask somebody uh, if they'd like to be involved in a children's church and they say, I'll pray about it. <laughs> I just think it's so annoying because they're not going to pray about it. They just don't want to do it. But they've, they've, they've encased it in spiritual language, you know. And, uh, but nothing, I, I hate nothing more than people when they leave church saying, God's told me. And, and they just happen to be leaving with a bad attitude. Yeah. You know, when you've got a bad attitude, God says nothing to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the idea of hearing really precisely from God while you've got a stinking attitude full of unforgiveness is an impossibility. You, sir, have made it up. I could preach about that. <laughs> um, but I wrote a book. This is, this is uh, my, my uh, books are available on Amazon. But, uh, um, but this is my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. And uh, maybe I'll start with the first thing that, the first thing that really annoys me uh, about the ministry is footprints in the sand. Now, I kind, of wish that, I kind of wish that I'd written it because I would be a multi-millionaire right now if I'd written it, you know. But, uh, but it just annoys me. You know, footprints in the sand. I'm going to read it to you, but it annoyed me that much that I thought I'll rewrite it. And, uh, and I think it's okay because it's not actually in the Bible. You know, you thought it was a part of the Bible, like next to the book of Hezekiah or something like that. There is no book of Hezekiah and there is no... Footprints in the Bible. I fooled some of you then, didn't I? Thinking, well, Hezekiah, I haven't read that yet. It's not there. And uh, so I thought I'd rewrite it. But listen, you'll know where my bit comes in, right? Because it'll be really obvious. So if you are feeling a bit sleepy, and every time I'm in a cinema, I always go to sleep. Just, I just do, you know, because when the lights go down and the movie comes on, I always go to sleep. I, I, think, I don't think there's ever been a movie. Maybe that, that movie Green, Green Book, is that right? The, the, 
oh, what a great movie that was. I think I didn't go to sleep in that. But every other movie, if it's a superpower, superhero movie, I'm asleep within about five minutes, you know. I'm thinking the longer, the longer you sleep, Dave, the better it'll be, you know. Just, I'd rather watch a mystery. I'd rather watch a Netflix documentary than a Marvel movie. Sorry, I'm not that masculine. So, um, okay, you know where my bit comes in, right? So, so you don't have to listen too much, right? One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was only one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, that you walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there's only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? And the Lord replied, yeah, sorry about that. I would have loved to have picked you up and given you huggles. But I'm kind of attempting to make a champion out of you. If I keep putting on my shoulders like that footprints in the sand stuff, you'll never grow past being a child. And my aim is to make you a world beater, a Goliath slayer, history maker. Get it? So would it be right if you stopped your complaining and took it all on the chin? Hey? Hey? Because, you know, I, like, like when, I, when I check out my journey, they're not, they're not the sandals of Jesus in the sand with me on their shoulders. They're my size 10s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're my footprints. I'm thinking, God, you said you'd never leave me, but Jesus never said I wouldn't stand back a little bit because otherwise I'd be lame. You know, if, he just, if you just got carried by your actual earthly father every day from when you were born to now, then you'd be a cripple. And yet God wants to create partners in the business. He doesn't just want to create subservience and subservient followers. He doesn't want just want to create slaves and just become a slave owner. He wants to create partners, senior partners in the business. So you need to muscle up. It's not just His strength upon you. It's His strength in you. And so He's going to create some muscle power in you. And the only way He can do that is through the tempest. And, you know, if ever you've seen a skyscraper, that, that skyscrapers are incredible because they go up so high. But have you ever seen the foundations to it? I mean, they go down just so low that they hit bedrock. And, you know, and that's what God's doing for each one of you. You think, why is, why is God spending so much time on the foundations of my life? It's because He wants you to reach the skies. I don't know if you, if you know the word bungalow, but in England, every, you know, there's bungalows everywhere, right? And they're just single-story buildings. And every time you go, you apply to, to build a second story. You apply to the city council. They say no, because they've checked out the foundation that if you build another story on top of that first story, that the whole thing would cave in and collapse because the foundation's not deep enough. Welcome to the life of a lot of Christians. Just shallow. Just whenever the wind blows, whatever doctrine blows with it, they just blow with it. It's just shallow Christianity. And the reason why you're going through a hard time is not to remove you. It's not to ruin you. It's to build you so that you can reach the skies. 
so that you can cast a shadow of influence upon the world around about you. God wants you to get bigger. He wants you to get stronger. He wants you to get brighter. And so that's the only reason why adversity would ever come. It's the only reason why difficulty would ever come, so that God's strength could be imparted into you so that you can be a partner in the business. I've got a brilliant scripture from Isaiah 54. And this is just a key scripture even for your church. Enlarge the place of your tent. You know, don't just accept living, living in a bungalow. Don't just accept just being, just being a, a small shrub when you're called to be a, a giant oak tree. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch. Everyone say stretch. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And then the great prophecy comes. It says, for you'll spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will uh, dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Don't be afraid. You'll not be put to shame. Don't fear a disgrace. Uh, you will not be humbled. Oh, I want to say C3, Salt Lake City. You're going to spread out to the left and to the right. There's a greatness that's going to come through you. But firstly, God wants to put greatness in you before He puts greatness through you. I, I, I love that point. How about you? You know, it's, it's a little painful, right? But, but stretching, just it creates muscles. It creates, it creates a great sense of purpose. And some of you, the reason why you're a part of C3 San Diego as well, the reason why it's all happening is because God wants to place more strength into you. He wants to give you a greater vision than just the vision of survival. He wants you to thrive, not just survive. and Become taller, not just become a pygmy for the gospel, but become tall and strong and muscular for the gospel of Christ. The uh, a second thing that annoys me is when people say, I don't know if you Americans say it, but if people say to me, Dave, how's things? Do you say that to each other, how's things? And because I'm slightly autistic, right? I think, well, what things? Like it confuses me straight away. What things? Are you talking about my marriage? Mind your own business. Are you talking, are you talking about the last hour? Are you talking about the day? Well, like, like it's a very weird question. How's things? But I've, I've realized... I've realized in me trying to work out how things are, because I'm not really always looking at how things are, but I watch and, and work out how things are. Usually they're terrible. You know, usually I'm between a rock and a hard place. And I used to think that that was wrong. I used to think if, if I was a proper Christian, then I'd be blessed, my pockets be overflowing with finance, you know, have a huge house, about to build a bigger house, great car, you know, great marriage, great kids, that everything would just, everything would just be on the, on the increase. But it seems to me that in my life that I'm often without finance, that I'm often in difficulty relationally, that I'm often, uh, my nose is up against a brick wall. And I used to think there was something wrong with it until I realized that the reason why I find myself in a desert is because faith has taken me into the desert. Because faith loves deserts. Because faith does its greatest work in deserts. And so usually I get faith on the edge of a desert thinking everything's going to be fine now. Three days later, 
I'm in the middle of a desert thinking everything's going from bad to worse. But now I've realized that this is a stitch up from heaven because faith licks its lips at impossibility. And you know, nothing's ever happened in the Bible outside of impossibility. A lot of people complain to God, why is God an 11th hour God? It's not His fault that He leaves it to the last minute. It's your fault. It's because you had three exit plans if God didn't come through by 10 p.m. And then at 11 p.m., you think God still hasn't come through. That's because you've got a nest egg you haven't told God about, but He already knows about. And it's not until the nest egg is thrown into the ring. It's not until every exit door is welded shut. And that's at one minute to midnight does God come out and do what God can do. He's a miracle working God, but the conditions have to be right. While you've got options, God does no miracles. I'll just say God's never done a miracle when you've got options. And so God leaves things to the last minute. And so, and so usually I gain faith on the edge of the desert because, because everything's absolutely chaotic. And, and then when I've got faith, then all of a sudden a, a human, the weather conditions tend to change. And then a human confidence comes upon me that God says, I'm going to have to get rid of that, Dave, because this is all God. So then he moves me into the center of a desert. So how's things? Well, usually I'm broke. You know, how's things? Well, usually I've got a difficulty in my marriage. It's not me, it's, it's her. <laughs> but usually, that usually there's, there's something quite difficult, right? And there's quite, usually things are awful. But, but I, they're asking me the wrong question because, um, because I'm just, I'm just I, I've given up studying weather conditions. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not the weatherman of the Christian faith. I'm the faith man of the Christian faith. And so I'm not here to, to, you know, work out what the temperature is. I'm here to control the thermostat. And so, so what they, people should ask me is, Dave, how are you? Well, 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 now we're on familiar territory. Because this is what I work on day and night. <laughs> is I work on the thermostat of how I am. So someone says, Dave, how's things? They go, awful. Ask me the right question. How I am? Ask me, ask me, ask me. How are you, Dave? Awesome. How, how's things, Dave? Broken. Everything's broken. No, no. But it's the wrong question. Ask me, ask me how I am. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sun shining. If you were to cut me in half, faith is on a deck chair. Holidaying. In the Mediterranean sunshine, its feet are dipping itself into the Mediterranean, the promises of God. Faith never breaks into a sweat because it absolutely convinced. If God said it, then it shall be done. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's why, that's why take a chill pill. Take a chill pill. Because faith is as relaxed as someone pretends to be at a yoga retreat. But a yoga retreat, your relaxation lasts for about 36 hours. In faith, you live it. 
There's a dat chest. Not, there's no gem in here. It's not a gem. It's deck chair. It's not, a, it's not an Arnold Schwarzenegger, how he used to look. Not now. Not now. Not now. <laughs> but how it's, there's a little child in here. It's a six-year-old. It's not wearing long trousers. It's not taking steroids. It's just the faith of a child. Because faith itself is not a power. Faith's the key that opens the door to power. So that's why you never need to walk around like you're the man of faith and power for the hour. It's just ridiculous. I mean, what are you talking about? Some Christians walk around with a giant key thinking, hey, look at me, I've got a giant key, especially on, on the Christian channels. <laughs> just, they walk on with a giant key. Hey, look what I got, giant key. I'm thinking, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> because it's, it's just like a 12-year-old walking around thinking, I've got the key to the house now. Look at this guy, made a giant one. No, it's just stupid. That's just so immature, so childish. You don't need a giant key. You just need a key. Just a key. You know, because it's not the power of faith. It's the power of God. You know? Oh, am I preaching well or am I preaching? Am I? Am I? If you go on my Instagram site and you look at my profile, the first thing I've got up there is Feather Ruffler. But, you know, I, you know, the thing is, right, because, because I'm a thermostat and because faith does work wonders, right, that by faith, Hebrews, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse number 2, by faith we access the grace of God. And grace isn't just forgiveness, it's God's provision for every event. And so eventually, you know, the, the, the desert, the flower grows. I think, why is a flower growing in the desert? And it's because of faith. Faith never not worked. Because faith's attached to the eternal word of God. Positive thinking sometimes collapses, but faith never collapses. And so eventually there's a, there's a flower patch, and then, and, then, and then all of a sudden, just, no, just you know, over time, eventually there's, there's like a beautiful garden in the midst of a desolate desert. And you, when, when that happens in my life, God says, just enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Why am I having to enjoy it so much? Because there's, there's going to come a tap on your shoulder. And God's going to say, come with me. And I, I, I won't even ask the question because I know where we're going. We're going to another desert. I'll tell you why we're going to another desert. Because I'm born to be a desert transformer. There's no point faith. If you've got the house that you want, if you've got the wife that you want, if you've got the life that you want, there's no point having faith. You may as well not be a Christian. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so that's why God's taking you out of abundance into lack in order that lack might become abundant. Because that's your job is to turn, turn lack into abundance. That's what you do is to, take, is to take a marriage that's only barely sticking together and make an abundant marriage out of a desolate marriage. To, take, to, to create health out of, out, of, out of a doctor's report that says you're crumbling apart. To create health. That's what faith does. That's why faith is employed upon this earth. And so that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a desert transformer. Until I, until I go to the fertile plains of heaven, uh, the, other, the other side of this life, I'm a desert transformer. I've got no complaints. It's not as easy as I'd like it to be. But then the power doesn't come from me anyway. So the crisis shouldn't be my crisis. It's the crisis of faith 
because I was led into the desert by faith. And I was led out of the desert by faith, back into another desert by faith, back out of that desert by faith. I'm a desert transformer. And may I just prophesy to each one of you that you are desert transformers. And so whatever has come your way, you're there to see it changed. Don't, get, don't just settle with it. Don't, don't settle for miserable. You're here to see it changed. And if it's belligerent, you be belligerent. But realize that deep inside you is the key that opens the door to the grace and the glory of God. How am I going? I've got like 11 minutes or so. I'm going to stretch it out. Maybe make it 13 minutes. Oh, gosh. I, I, what, um, what annoys me, another thing about the ministry is uh, people um, say to me, can I be honest with you? And I'm, I'm thinking, nope. Because they're about to hurt me. They're about to say something really cruel to me. And uh, it's because they've mixed up fact with truth. And the moment you mix up fact with truth, then something goes tremendously wrong with life. But, but they haven't. What they've done is, is they've said, can I be honest with you? They're about to back a truck up filled with manure <laughs> and pour it all over me. Because they've spent a lot of time just mixing the fact up with, with fear, frustration, disgruntlement, flesh. They've created a cesspit that doesn't even represent you. Because whenever God sees me, he doesn't see mud. He sees clay. When God sees me, He doesn't just see dark. He sees stars in the night sky. When God sees me, He doesn't see coal. He sees diamonds. But when haters see me, all I can see is mud. All I can see is night sky. But God never sees mud. He never sees night sky. I've got a way to go, but what God does is that He takes fact and He adds faith to it. And He spins it. And what they do is they spin it backwards. They, they grab fact and add hatred to it and spin it backwards. So it becomes a lie. And so they're asking if they could be really, really honest. I, you know, sincerity is overrated. Because we're not even here to talk fact. We're here to talk faith. And let me say this, right? Because you still, if you are sick, you can still say I'm sick. But you want to use the greatest faith word in the Bible. But! You know, I, 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 my, the second scripture will come up is, 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 um, is the scripture from uh, David in Psalm 31. And I, I kind of love this because this uses the word but to full effect. It says that I'm, I, I'm forgotten as if uh, I'm dead. And I, I become like broken pottery and I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. So that's pretty miserable, right? And, and someone's about to slit their wrist over that. But here comes the greatest word, the greatest faith word in the Bible, because it alloys fact with faith. And when you alloy fact with faith, you become a genius. Something happens when you alloy both together. And there's too many realists in the world. And it's not your job to be a realist. Leave that to the pagans. It's your job to unite fact with faith every time. To say, I'm not feeling well, but 
And, you know, he was rejected. He sounds pretty depressed to me. He sounds a little suicidal to me. But it says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, see, he's now employing the greatest, the greatest use of your vocal cords, that you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies. And everything changed. You know, I don't know, you know, the story in the Bible of Elijah, Elijah. I wish that Elisha and Elijah had different names because it's just so confusing. But Elijah was on top of Mount Carmel uh, with his uh, sidekick. And he said to his sidekick, you know, I've got a feeling this is time for rain to fall uh, because it hasn't rained for three years. And so he said to his sidekick, just go over to the, to the top of the mountain, you know, to that rocky bit there and just stand on and see if you can uh, see any clouds right and he came back first time said see nothing second time nothing third time nothing on the seventh time he came back he said I can see the cloud a cloud the size of a man's hand and Elijah Elijah said to him listen tell let's tell Ahab to hitch up his hitch up his chariots I can hear the sound of heavy rain I'm thinking no you can't you can't all you've got is a cloud. It's not even cumulonimbus. It's not even stratus. It's a puny cloud the size of a man's hand. But he said, I can hear the sound of heavy rain. Who was Elijah? A spin doctor. You, you want to have a double degree in spin. You know, I think it was John Maxwell said that, said that every leader needs to live in the realm of, of possibility. They want to listen in the realm of reality, but they want to lead in the realm of probability. I love that because probability stands in between reality. You know, that's fact because, you know, once you lose a sense of fact, you become, they lock you up. You know, you do all kinds of strange things, especially in America. And... But if you're so idealistic, then, you, then you, you, it's easy just to be off with the fairies. But to be in the middle, to be, because to, we've got this sense that people want us to be present and want us to be in the room and, and, uh, and a sense they want us to be mindful. It's wrong for a Christian to be totally mindful of today. I mean, that's a recipe for depression to be totally mindful of the desert that's around you, to be totally present in the desert. I want to be present in conversation, but I'll introduce something that's not present, that's the future, into every conversation. So I don't want to live in the present. I want to live somewhere between the present and the future. I want to be a spin doctor. Oh, I'll tell you something funny, right? Because uh, in, in, you know, a lot of, uh, in Australia, if you go into a lot of churches, they're, they're not as big as the pastor said that they were, right? And, uh, and, you know, and I'm thinking it comes from something quite good, right? Because the person who counts the numbers in church is often a 16-year-old where everything's mega. So just say there was 84 people there and, and he'll go, oh, 100. So he writes down 100. Then he gives that figure to, to, the, um, to the PA of the pastor and she's thinking 100, it hasn't been spun yet. So then she spins it. Wow, it's close to 150. <laughs> and then she gives it to the assistant pastor. And, he, and he's thinking 150? That's, a, that's approximately 200. 
And then by the time the pastor puts it up on Instagram, it's now 300. But it started off at 85. Now, each individual was doing the right thing. It's like when someone goes fishing, you say, how's the fishing? And if someone says, yeah, I caught a fish just this big, factually that big. I think they're not being true to the spirit of the day. Now, it's wrong to say it was this big. But it's wrong to say it was precisely two and three quarter inches long. I think to stretch once is good. But, but we laugh about this, right? Because what the 16-year-old's doing is spinning it. And single spin is the birthright of every Christian. The glass is not half empty. The glass is half full. There's three things remain forever. One's faith, one's love, one's an expectation something good is about to happen. That's what hope is. It's eternal. Every day in heaven, you'll be expecting what's going to go right today. You'll be expecting something unusual to happen today because that's what, that's what hope is. It's biblical to spin once. It's just that sometimes Christians go a little overboard. And so they move from single spin, that's S, to double spin, DS, to triple spin, that's TS. By the time the pastor puts it on Instagram, it's now BS. (laughs) Beyond spin. You want to put a butt in the middle of your valley. It doesn't immediately take you out of the valley, but it attaches you to the twin engines of real truth. The truth is not what you see. The truth is what you know. And what you know is what God has spoken into you, that there's nothing impossible for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I do one more? Just one more? Uh, I, well, this one I sympathize because... What annoys me about the ministry is, is there's so many Christians that are, and take me, take, like I'll say this softly, right? But Christians use the word hurt a lot. And you know, if, if ever you played sport, right? Like in sport, someone gets hurt on the field, right? Someone does something to them and then they fall over, right? Not, not like soccer falling over, that's fake, right? But, but real, real, they, they, they're paid actors. Liverpool United, you know, but, but, but for, for real sport people, right, straight when they're on the ground, now, now they're hurt. But the moment the stretcher comes out, they're no longer hurt, now they're injured. The moment they get into hospital, now they're recovering. The moment they come out of hospital, now they're getting ready. They're preparing to hit the field. If you actually recorded the amount of time they were hurt for, it's approximately 45 seconds. But Christians, some have been hurt for 10 years. Like 10 years. 10 years. 10 years hurt. They're not even playing sport. But somebody hurt you. But to keep using that language is to say to me, you're still tied to that place and that person and that moment in time. Until you stop using that language, God can rarely use you. Do you know that faith doesn't just have eyes in the front of its head? Faith, like your mum, has eyes in the back of its head. 
Because faith reinterprets your past. And faith says like Joseph to his 11 brothers, you know, you meant it for harm. But God meant it for good so that I could become a deliverer of a nation and save you guys from death by famine. And I just think, it, I just think that if you could just allow the eyes of faith to go back into your history, that everything bad is actually a platform for something good. There's not one thing that God can't turn around. And I've got to talk, talk sensitively because a lot of you have been through a lot more things than I've been through. So I just say sensitively, but, but it, it seems to me that, 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 that God can turn not just most things for good, but it, it appears to me through reading Scripture correct that God can turn all things for good. I've just finished on the story, right, because otherwise I'll use that too much time. Um, my wife, when she was uh, eight days of age, she was adopted, right? And, uh, and sorry she's not here uh, this morning, but uh, she's over at the central campus in uh, San Diego. But uh, she, was, she was adopted, and, and, uh, and she, she, she knew she was adopted from a young age. And then she met, uh, at 27 years of age, they changed the adoption laws in Queensland, Australia. So you could actually find out where your mum was when she adopted you. So she wrote to the farm in the outback Australia, and, uh, and after about three or four months, she got a letter back saying, yeah, I'm your mum. And so Jen flew over to, to meet her. And uh, it was a great reunion, right? And I think on the second time, Jen said, well, what about dad? What's, what's happened? And, uh, and she, said, well, she said, it's good that you're sitting down. I'll just have to tell it straight to you. I was gang raped. And she said, you're a result of it. So that kind of affected her kind of affected her but she but she her favorite scripture is is jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 i think that that says i knew you before you were born so whatever condition it was that brought you into the world god already knew you before you were born so she's not she's not a product of a tragedy she's a product of the loving hand of god so it did actually hit her right but it didn't it didn't cause her to stumble you know it just caused her it caused grief, you know, and I think in, in orphans and in people that are adopted, I think, I think in one respect there's a wound that just, that, that just needs cleaning up a lot. But you can do a lot with a wound. I mean, a wound doesn't have to stop you. But you just, you know, it's, it's, it's there to remind you that, that your origins are from heaven, not from earth, you know. And uh, so, so she's, anyway... So that's her, that's her story. And she, we started off this refuge for women with life-controlling issues. And, uh, and she started a house and there was like one, one woman with life-controlling issues. And then, and then there was a house, a 10-bedroom house. And, and, the, and, and it was the hardest thing we've ever done. It almost sent the church bankrupt because she said, let's take people on the verge of death, right? Which, which is the most complicated thing you could ever do. And, the most, and we were only using young people, inexperienced people. And and so it was, it, was, it was a startup that was very difficult to continue. But the police used to knock on the door and give us people that were, that, that, uh, were from the brothels that had been, um, had been trafficked into the United Kingdom from North Africa and from over in Eastern Europe. And uh, so we'd take them in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and then that's developed and developed into a ministry that, that I, in the last five years, it's that ministry has housed around 700 women and men and children. It's, it's looked after over between three, or three and 4,000 victims. We like to say survivors of modern trafficking, survivors of human slavery. But I, but I, but I say the story just to say that, that last, the year before last, that, that a lot of the women were coming in saying, 
I'm going to keep the baby. And these babies were, were created from the brothels. And some of the women said, well, no, I'm going to keep it. And you know, a year before last, over 40 babies were born from the brothels into the ministry called City Hearts. I'll just say that they'll never know their origins completely. Because God will shroud it by His goodness. He'll shroud it by a revelation before you were born. I knew you. This is, this is the birth, not of brokenness. This is the birthing of wholeness. Because wholeness only comes by a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I say that to say that from a tragedy many years ago, now has come the triumph of human life, human dignity, human flourishing from an act of human degradation. And, you know, whatever you've been through, God can turn it around for good. And I just suggest that you stop using the word hurt. Use the word injured. So I'm still a bit injured. But when you use the word injured, you cut it off from that person. You cut it off from that place. It now gives God the liberty to be your healer. But God can't heal you from hurt because hurt's an attitude. God can heal you from injury but not hurt. The only recovery from hurt is repentance. Because hurt is an attitude that you carry. And it's not a Christian attitude. Because the Christian attitude is to forgive those who have turned against you. So much so that you, you wash them away. There is no record of that hurt anymore. So if you could just do that today and turn it into injury, I just think that we're, we're off and running. Because God's a healer. I, it wouldn't surprise me within, within a month that you're feeling fabulous. And you're feeling so freed. And, 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 and also, it wouldn't surprise me within a year that, that things start happening that, that are on the foundation of your difficulty have come the delights of God's breakthrough. You know, that, that God will turn it around and, and create some incredible things out of your life. Some people here need to give their lives back to Jesus and, or give your lives to Jesus. There's no doubt about it. But we only met Christ in a crisis, and that's the greatest thing that God's done in all of our lives. In our crisis, we met Christ. What, what's, what are you doing meeting Him in a crisis? Well, that's because God's best comes in our worst. The best thing that God can give you is salvation, but it comes in our worst of times. No one gets saved on a mountaintop. Everybody gets saved in a valley. And so if you've come today and you are in a valley and, and, or if you turned away from God in a darker valley, then God wants to grab you and uh, God wants to help you and God wants to bring you back, back onto a journey of prosperity and a journey of growth and a journey of blessing and a journey that, that turns the valley of Bacca into a field of, a field of pools. It's just Psalm 84 just slipping in there, showing off. How about everyone to close their eyes right now? Maybe that's you right now. I'm going to pray a prayer for, for those that have slid back a bit and for those who have never, you've never really committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're realizing, gosh, I, I can see exactly what you mean, Dave. This difficulty I'm going through seems impossible, but it has led me here this morning. It's led me to church, and I wasn't going to come to church, but I've decided to come. And So maybe this is one of those things where, where all things are working together for good. Maybe you thought, I'm not going to go, but somehow they picked you up or somehow you, you managed to find yourself here at C3 in Salt Lake City. And I would say this is a stitch up from God. 
the desert, he, he real, it, faith took you to the middle of a desert. Now faith is going to take you out of the desert. If that's you right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody help me out. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for finding me. I'm amazed that you live in valleys, that you live in deserts. I say yes, Lord. Forgive me for my waywardness, for my misgivings, for my mischief, for holding hurts. I forgive those that have done things against me and I let them go. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my Savior. Jesus be my leader. And be my miracle worker. In Jesus' name. If you did pray that prayer with every eye closed, so I'm going to get you to do one more thing. And, and I, I won't go public on this because I'll say every eye closed. But if you did pray that prayer and it was sincere, short, only a short prayer, but it was sincere, I'm going to get you when I count to three to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. But this is you drawing a line in the sand between your history and your future. And I just think lines and sands are just, are, are just important to do. Right. So if, if that's you right now and you honestly prayed that prayer, whether you're a backslider returning or you've never prayed that kind of prayer before, on the count of three, I want to lift up your hand, put, draw a line in the sand, which would be a, you prophesying a brand new future for your life. Come on, let's do it now. Review eye closed. Three, two, one. Lift it up right now. Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Your hand's going up all around about the place. I'm excited about this. Right at the very top, there's one hand in the middle. There's a second hand on the side. There's a third hand. There's a fourth hand. There's a fifth hand. Right, at, yes, sixth hand, seventh hand, eighth hand. That's all the back section. This middle section, there's, there's uh, nine hands. There's 10 hands, 11 hands, 12 hands, 13 hands, and 14 hands. And and uh, I'm going to say there's probably about 15 hands that have gone up. Keep your hands up right now and let's pray for them. Father, let the peace of God that passes all understanding just uh, come upon their hearts and their minds and their souls right now. Let worries wash off them, God. And let the, let the resurrection power of Christ restore them and bring joy back into their hearts, and bring peace back into their minds, God. And Father, bring hope back into the hopelessness. Bring faith back into the faithlessness, God. And Father, bring love back into the lovelessness. Be everything to them. And we thank you, God, this morning for this incredible journey that they've undertook. And Father, let hurts wash off us. Let a sense of freshness wash over us. And we thank you today. You can put your hands down in Jesus' name. And we thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.